Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN, and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's discussion was about distributed ledger technology, also known as blockchain or Bitcoin. Uh, and we approached this very skeptically. The nice thing in the discussion is that we had people who were excited about the technology and we had people who were skeptical about the technology. And that interplay really created one of the best balanced conversations I've heard about DLT and its applicability. And throughout the course of the conversation, we tested each other. We came back and didn't assume that blockchain was good or DLT was good or that uh, organizations at the central organization were good or bad. And that neutrality really plays out in looking at how the technology can actually benefit people. I know you will enjoy this conversation. What was the focus for today supposed to be? It was supposed to be applications for DLT, distributed ledger tech. Um, And, and, you know, I I think that there's a really interesting conversation to be had. Uh, I would love to, (laughs) I would love to see if somebody can tell me of a thing that is better as, as blockchain in, in a really legitimate way. Um, or distributed ledger, I should say more generally. I mean, I, I can see some applications for it, but uh, my spouse was just taking a continuing education about it. And all the examples that, that she gave were like, I, I, I'm not sure how that's better than having a centralized authority or a, a system of, of trust. Um, Security is trading. <laughs> Security mm. training? How so? Uh, no, secu- securities trading. Ah. So I like, n- n- not exactly stock market, but like things think like uh, again, like um like uh documenting the change of ownership of uh of a plot of land or or or, or a deed or, or things like that. Um How, why is that better as a DLT? Because you are dealing with multiple parties who don't fully trust each other. Okay. And the, the protocols between, uh, like behind offline security, security trading, there's a lot of back and forth with, with signatures and, and papers and, and, and whatnot. Uh, this is something where uh, we're doing it on a distributed ledger is like it's, it's, it much improves it like it, and we're talking like going from taking days to to close a deal to minutes mm-hmm. uh and that's because um funds can be put in, into escrow you can use smart contracts uh to, to ensure that the signature is is done on, on both sides um right. it, it is publicly auditable like there's a trail of ownership. Um, like imagine things like like, uh, like land ownership registries. Like all, all, all these stories that you hear about uh, like documents being misfiled at, at like at City Hall and and, and then someone somebody's land uh, be, uh, or somebody purchasing a, a, a a home with, with acreage and then figuring and finding out that they they really don't own half of half of it, 
all of this goes away with, with online securities trading because it's all there. You have the history. It's never lost. <coughs> and, and yeah, and, and going back to, to the question, like uh, why it, why distributed and, and, and not centralized? Uh, that's a, a, quite a matter of jurisdiction. Like it, it, it's fine to, for it to be centralized when when it's when it's all a single jurisdiction, like township or or, or a county. Uh, but once you start trading across international borders, it becomes much more difficult uh, because you don't know you, you 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 don't have a single authority that that should be able to dictate what is the 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 real state of the data. So that's where uh, the distributed part of, of the DLT uh, comes in useful. But you still, you know, in those transactions, everybody involved still has to agree to using the DLT as the authority. Right. It, you know, yes. I, I don't, I guess, you know, if you're dealing with a escrow company, the escrow company is the one releasing the funds. I mean, there, you know, why doesn't everybody just use an API from the escrow escrow company? The, the, so, what, when you're using online securities, uh, or when you when you do securities trading uh, with, with uh, on, on a blockchain or with distributed ledgers, um, the blockchain itself or the, the smart contract itself uh, becomes the the escrow. So, so basically, you you buy into the blockchain. Uh, you stake a certain amount for to towards a, a smart contract, and only when the smart contract is either cancelled or completed do those funds get released. And the direction it, those get released depends on, of course, whether it was cancelled or completed. But who's holding the funds or is it just that it's now based in ethereum is it a, an ethereum block it can be it, it can be it can be anything as long as long as the the dlt has the capability of doing atomic swaps with, with another chain um it, it can be done in any kind of chain uh, i would i would think that that um the funds could actually be attached via NFT. Uh, Maybe. So another possible use for for a distributed ledger is identity. Uh, this is something that uh, well, four or five years ago, folks uh, connected to United Nations and refugee foundations and stuff said uh, if you had the uh the ledger then people refugees moving across the world would always have their identity with them or could always have their identity with them instead of uh having to deal with all the papers and whatnot that get lost i mean but there's there's a wallet involved for them so how would they? Most people have their cell phones, even if they don't have anything else. They have their cell phones these days. Ah, but you could lose your cell. I mean, yeah, lose your you can lose your. 
It's it's just as much as your papers, I suppose. I, actually, it's it's safer than, than than your papers because you can recreate your vault as long as you have your seat. Ah, thank because, you. Because yeah. because the, the the like the the contents of the vault it's all on the blockchain. You just uh, the only thing that you add to the wall is say yes, I own this, and that's your seed. So you you if you lose your cell phone, as long as you have your seed and you can write this seed down and store it in, in a safe, um, you you can you can get a new cell phone. You can download the wallet app, um, enter the seed, and everything is as it was before. It's truly stateless. In in multiple uh, definitions of stateless. <laughs> yep. Problem I see there is the human aspect of I don't I don't want if I say I don't want a smartphone. Where am I Where am I going to store my identity? So if you have the seed, it's in the cloud. So you could actually go up to a border patrol agent, type your seed into a secure station, kind of like an ATM type of thing, and verify your identity. Uh, no, no, no. You, you you would never give out your seat. But, no, but, no, but, no but, you but don't you... give it out. You you have to, there has to be um, secure, uh, um, a se- secure device so that it would wipe it out, but it would uh, allow you to access it for that short duration without providing it to other people. No, no, you you don't want to do that. You don't want to. You, you you never want to enter your seat in someone else's device, even if they claim it to be secure. Uh, if you need to prove ownership, you you as long as you have access to your own wallet via your own devices, uh, you you can you can show ownership by doing some transaction on the chain that says. Hey, I am here, or, or or you can even set like one cent, and, and that that would be sufficient. Um, but but yeah, your you, your seed is is your password. So so just like you never you never enter your password on on on, on an untrusted device, on an unverified device, uh, you would never enter your seed on that. Uh, Martis, go, going back to your question, like if someone doesn't want to use a smartphone. Um, there's hardware wallets that, that can also do that, uh, or you can use a computer. Uh, like there, there's browser extensions uh, that, that act as a, as a wallet, like MetaMask. Yeah, I'm just just thinking through the 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 the, the pushback because the example I think it was from a uh, Texas when Texas wanted to mandate uh, driver's license or I think state ID for voting, and the thought would be. If we're having issues with people just simply having a driver's license or a state ID, then then let alone trying to figure out a, a technological device is a, seems like a massive hurdle. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think the, the DLT is not ready for 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 the masses. Like the, 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 there's people who, who are still struggling with, with 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 using a browser, like actually going to a URL and, and, and go to Google first and then typing the URL. So. We, we're far, far from being able to make this technology ubiquitous. And actually, I think what some of these folks that uh, that deal with refugees are trying to do is 
get folks to focus on that particular problem so that it might actually get solved in a more in a quicker fashion because like you said there's lots of stuff to solve but it's a good idea well my question being a skeptic not knowing all the the full technological ramifications or how everything works it feels a little bit like one of those things where we've got something interesting and we're trying to find that that problem to solve with it 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 very much started out like that yes like when when, when blockchain first came out it, it it was a solution in search of a problem. Uh, uh, and uh, I think many of the current DL DLT implementations, whether it's blockchain or, or cryptocurrency or, or anything else, um, they still feel a lot like that. Like NFTs, for example, I, I still don't see a good use case for NFTs. Um, I I can tell you the sort of use case that I was that that was being given to my spouse, um, which was a Ticketmaster replacement, where you would get certain you know you would buy your tickets as a, a in a DLT, and um, part of that would include certain NFT capabilities or NFT benefits on top of, um, so they were like, you know, access to a celebrity or some, you know, digital proof from the concert or the event. Um, but it, none of that struck me as, as one requiring DLT and, and two as, you know, something you know, it's more like a trading card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and from from my perspective, most of the folks I know who go to these concerts would rather have the fancy ticket in hand for their scrapbook than some internet link that they lose because, oops, they didn't back up their computer and they lost everything. Yeah, yeah. And not to mention that the DLTs seem to be, or at least the, sorry, not, not, not DLTs, uh, NFTs, but the way they're currently used, it, it, it really does feel like, like, like just like trading card game for memes. Yeah. Or they're, or they're trading an ownership certificate around. I, and, and I could see if there's, you know, you're like, oh, I want ownership of the one that, you know, the, the Jack's first tweet, the first tweet on Twitter or something like that. I'm like, what's the, oh, you know, what do you actually own? The right that you, you can say that you own it? And that's the problem I have. That's the problem I have with NFTs is that, um, the, the, the might be a good idea if the think if the, if the things that that NFTs represent are rare. But right now, anyone can create an NFT, and like I I can I can doodle on a piece of paper, take a picture, and, and turn it into an NFT. It has zero value, uh, and there's so many people doing the same thing, like copying and pasting, doing like generative art that would turn out thousands or millions of, of 
NFTs, it dilutes the value of, of, the, of what might have been a really good NFT. And, and, and as I said, like the, the, there's, there's very little justification as to why it needs to be distributed versus uh, centralized. Uh, now that's the, the Ticketmaster one, uh, you know, I, I kept going back to, I'm like, I, at the end of the day, the venue has a certain number of seats to it and somebody's authorized you to, you know, get the seat for that, that event. Um, uh, you know, having a, having somebody, you know, and, and there's definitely a resale market for tickets and it'd be nice if you, you know, have, have confidence that you're actually buying a, a ticket as a, from, as a resale. I guess I guess I come back to I'd rather have the venue involved in that transaction to verify that they're aware that that's it's changed hands. Yeah, the, the, the problem with that is that yes, as a consumer, it would be nice to be able to verify the that the the ticket that you're buying is not counterfeit. Uh, as putting myself in the shoes of Ticketmaster, I I don't see them ever wanting to do that. Like they. They they want to retain control, and and it's in their best interest for people to not be able to resell. I I heard a really interesting podcast about them actually getting involved in the resale um, transactions, or at least studying it, or being part of that aftermarket. Because for them, that's pricing data, um, and that you know the art of pricing the the tickets for the venue, and then you know. If you have a secondary market for tickets, then then they miss they mispriced it, and that's a that's that's something they they actually want to be involved in, or they 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 should be involved in from their perspective. It was a Freakonomics podcast. It was it was fascinating. I think it was Freakonomics. Well, they want to be involved in it, but uh, um, at that point, it's. When the resale value goes up, it's still, I think, not to their advantage because what happens is once all the tickets are sold, the availability is a lot different. So scarcity goes up because supply is down. And mm-hmm. they, unless they hold back tickets for, uh, for selling after the, they've sold all the tickets, they're not, there's no way they can profit in that secondary market unless they become the the sellers themselves so it's just they might want to but it ain't doable and if they did it there'd be laws against it (laughs) this this is actually part part of where i think a a dlt for tickets you know actually turns them into an, an even more marketable um entity from that perspective, although it makes me nervous about even more bots and more people buying, you know, basically coming in and buying the tickets rather than, into, you know, people buying the tickets, um, which the artists care about. The artists, part of what I what this podcast was saying is the artists typically don't want expensive tickets. They want their their art to be accessible. Um, but if they underprice the tickets and they just get bought and scalped and then you know, money that they could have gone to the venue or could have gone to the artist is going to the ticket resale. Uh, and then it, I, I think the DLT of the tickets would actually increase that market. Um, 
because you can actually transact you can transact on those those tickets pretty easily you're reducing friction on the transaction well yeah. it it might cut down on on fraud of resale tickets which would be nice but and Couldn't yeah, we do that could, just by having Ticketmaster or whoever the venue is do a better job of of facilitating third party transactions? Uh, it's gray area, and also you don't want Ticketmaster involved because they're going to scam off the top. So the people selling fraudulent tickets aren't going to get involved with Ticketmaster, and the people selling real tickets want to make as much profit as they can. So they don't want to get involved with Ticketmaster because Ticketmaster will take 10 to 20% off the top if they can, being a essentially a monopoly. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, if Ticketmaster were truly altruistic, then it would certainly be better if they were to enable that kind of trading on their platform. Um, mostly because then it, um, it it gives them control over um, like volume ownership and things like, let, let's say uh, customer A bought 20 tickets claiming that they're, they have a group of 20, 20 people wanting to go to a show. But then if, if they resell each one of those tickets individually to other people, um, that's uh, that's a suspect. Um, with a centralized platform, that is possible to, to monitor. With a decentralized pl platform like, like DLT, you can still monitor it, but you can't do anything about it. So, Actually, you'd have more visibility if that was happening. So you could see somebody who was, you know, if if one, uh, well, you could somebody could easily spoof and do it from a number of different uh, transaction identifiers. But if there was one one entity that was doing a lot of that, the, those transactions, you could see it. Yeah, and and you you could do you could do this with with a with a closed chain or 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 or, or non public chain where. Let's say Ticketmaster is the is the, the governing entity on the chain, and, the, and only they get to um, to validate um, transactions. Uh, in, in which case, they could make the ledger public. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be decentralized, but they can make it public. Um, but then, of course, that that so so that's. So that is why it would it would be better for Ticketmaster to have control, um, assuming that they were altruistic. We know that they're not altruistic, and as a result, um, we also know that they're going to want to squeeze as much value out of it themselves, uh, either by um, by charging a fee for for transfers, which would be right. fine for discouraging like scalper transfers, perhaps, but they would also be detrimental with say, I bought a ticket and I, and I want to give you one of my tickets. 
So. It's an interesting. There's there's a lot of valid, especially tickets. I think tickets are an interest. You know, tickets tickets end up being a very good example because a lot of us have firsthand experience, and there's clear secondary markets, and there's clear, um, you know, personal transactions in in this too. The uh, the other the the other thing that the downside of, about you using say NFTs for ticket transfers is that once the event is over, other than for sentimental value, that ticket ownership is worthless, but it's still consuming resources on, on the chain, on, unless you have a DLT that forgets. It, well, it would, yeah, no, we, we had talked earlier about the needing for DLTs to forget. I, I, it would seem to me that if you had, you could just do a single event chain there's no reason to put it on a big public chain, especially if you did make the decision that the venue would be the authorizer. Um, you could, but it would be very inefficient using modern blockchain technology. Um, to, to create a chain just per, for, per venue? Yeah, yeah. The, the effort involved in into what's called the, the genesis of, of the chain is um, is not insignificant. Uh, and again, with the current implementations of blockchain, um, you need a separate process or a separate daemon uh, for for each chain. So you, you you can't have one node validating multiple chains. So the it doesn't scale well. How's that different than a smart contract in that case? Is our smart or smart contracts also then on the public chains? Uh, so the the so the difference with with, uh, with smart contracts is that you're reusing the same chain, and and you, you're 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 dealing your contracts on top of the chain. So so the no, so the nodes that are uh, uh, validating the chain are are the same regardless of what smart contract you're you're doing. Un unless of course you use a like domain specific chain, in which case you have dedicated nodes for that. But, but at, at that point, everyone invested in, in, in the chain uh, would be running their own validator anyway. I think the thing I keep missing with this is that this isn't just transacting between a couple of parties. The public aspect of the chain is is a factor in how these are on how these systems are built. That that you're basically doing transactions in a way that are part of a public um, media. Yeah, very much so. And that that and that that transparency, even if the transaction is just a serial number in the chain, the fact that the transaction is done in a public place is part of the is part of the design. And I I keep having trouble wrapping my head around that. It it's the. It's it's equivalent of, of, of stock trading. Like you, you, you can do, you you can trade stocks behind closed doors 
or, or you can trade stocks in, on, on Wall Street. Wall Street is the public forum of it. Uh, and, and all the transactions there get, get, get monitored um, because it's, it's, a, it's a public offering. But that's um, but that's what the that's the purpose of the exchange. The exchange becomes the trusted authority for that transaction, and so this is this is to me where where I'm like, well, if we want to have these types of public trusted transactions, all we need is an exchange, and that right. be true for smart contracts or escrows or right? all this stuff. Really, you're just saying I need a central, you know, a body that every party trusts as the as the sort as the rec as the record keeper. Yeah. But with the DLT pieces, we're saying there is no trusted record keeper. We're jointly record keeping. Right. And, and this, this, again, is, is a matter of, of jurisdiction. Like it, if, if, you, if you trade on, only on the New York Stock Exchange, then, yeah, you trust the, you trust the exchange. But and, and, the, and the way stocks are currently traded is they're only on one exchange at a time. But imagine if you are a multinational company that, that wants to trade stocks in New York and in Tokyo and in, in, in London and in, and in, the, in, the, in, in Torix um, or in TSE, uh, the, then you have multiple jurisdictions that, that each want to have a claim uh, to a part of what you're offering. And you need to have atomic transactions between exchanges. And none of these exchanges is going to want to give uh, another exchange full trust over what uh, they claim they, they've traded or not. And, and this is, again, where, where, where DLD comes into place because there's verifiability. There's auditability. There's consensus, um, which you need when when you are uh, in a situation where there's multiple authorities. Just the the same as when we do high availability in in, in our tech systems, right? We 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 have. Uh, master nodes and, and and we we expect that there there is a consensus among them and, and if one of the nodes cannot form a consensus with the other ones then the majority wins out I Feels like a case of me where nobody wants the quote unquote vendor lock in, but everybody wants the the same benefits. I'm I'm just skeptical because I really feel like we're just steadily, honestly, to me it feels like what we're doing is a tech industry with the Kubernetes, where everything would be solved by Kubernetes. Just roll out Kubernetes, problem solved. Not to say that there aren't valid use cases for it. I think the the human aspects. Are going to continually influence and by the human aspects i mean whether it's the the startups looking to to monetize on venture capitalists that are, are going to 
dumping a, a boatload money of money or the, the organizations that don't want to quote unquote get left behind. And so the CTO, CIO says, hey, what can we do with blockchain or, or distributed ledger? Uh, and let's go with that and, and make my career, so to speak, off of that. I, I agree with your first statement uh, about the... Um... Uh, like the, the the very first sentence you, you said there, um, but I disagree with with the, what you said there about Kubernetes. I, I think actually that the applicability of blockchain is uh, diametrically opposite to Kubernetes. With, with Kubernetes, eighty percent of the workloads in the cloud likely will work well in Kubernetes and, and might even benefit from being made compatible with, with Kubernetes. With blockchain, I think it's the opposite. I think 90% of, uh, of what people are trying to do with, with blockchain shouldn't be done in blockchain, but, it's, but it is a very good solution for very domain-specific problems, like, for example, security training. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um... I, I think I'm for still, me that I'm still, I'm still struggling because I, I see an exchange as settling a trade and being the arbiter of it. And the fact that you now have multiple parties that have to, you know, the, the, the consensus algorithm on this, I, I, I understand how that should work, but all it's going to take is for us to lose faith in a chain especially a major chain and all of the, like at, at that point you're done. Right. Uh, I mean, I, my, you have the same problem with, with individual authorities. If, if we felt that, you know, the New York stock exchange, since we're using them as an example, was no longer reliably um, tracking or auditing or verifying transactions, then, then we have a really serious, a really serious problem. And I, and maybe that's the, maybe the, the right answer here is, all right, if my, my transaction was with the bank, um, come back to, oh boy, I, this is a rabbit hole, but bear with me. So I, I have money, my money's in the bank and it's, it's in their record systems. And at this point, I don't have any way except what, they've, what, they, what they verify as to what my balance is. So if, if that bank decides to no longer be trustworthy, then my bank balance is whatever they say it is. It actually is already whatever they say it is. <laughs> That's already and and so I'm I'm stuck if they decide to not be trustworthy there. Um, and the benefit of the blockchain would be if I was tracking my balance with with a DLT, not then I could go back and say, look, here is every transaction that I had with you, and it has been certified by all of these. Oh, you muted. You muted yourself. Can you still hear? Can you still hear me? I had a phone. You're back. Yeah. Okay. So and and so in that case, I have now a whole bunch of witnesses to all these transactions, even if they don't know what they are necessarily. But they say, yeah, we. I see that that Rob and the bank had these hundreds of transactions. And we have agreed, you know, so now, now you don't have to say the bank and Rob have a trusted relationship. It's a public transaction. And therefore, 
I've now created a more secure environment around all those transactions. Um, that that actually, in in some way, makes a ton of sense to me. Um, you're, you know, you 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 actually quite got it there. Yeah, and uh, I I think what 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 the again the the, the keyword here is, is trust. Um, it, it if you're dealing just between you and your bank, that is a unilateral trust. You are trusting the bank to keep your money safe. The, the bank doesn't have to trust you. You're just giving your money to the bank. Um, but if you want to, if, if you want to lessen the degree to, to which you need to trust the bank, then you need to have independent proof that you gave your money to the bank. And that's what the distributed ledger does. Although in in my understanding is it's not really proof that I I did that thing. It's just proof that there that there's a receipt of it. Yes. I mean, I mean, if the, if the funds are are, are electronic and, and are tracked on the blockchain, then it is absolute proof. Uh, at least that 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 you treated a certain amount of value that was in your ownership to to the bank. Uh, wh- whether you independently uh, exchanged uh, like actual fiat coin for for that value that that you claim to own. Or whether you came uh, into it via via other means, that that, that is, uh, of course, that cannot be proven. Uh, but uh, but what you can prove is that you you had a certain amount of value uh, on on a blockchain or on a, like that that was tracked by the ledger, uh, and that you. Did an atomic transaction with a peer, such as a just the the bank, right? Uh, and it was confirmed that that value was transferred. <sighs> yeah, uh, and and there's there's no certification that, that. So in this case, we have a lot of confidence in the transactions, and no no necessary confidence in the the transactees from that perspective. So, yeah, right. So, and this is this is why there was so much illicit trade around these transactions. So you're right. You know that a transaction happened, yay, between these two parties. Great. There isn't a certification. I guess now we're going back to the identity part of this conversation. There is no certification that the that the person I transacted with was actually trustworthy. Yeah, and and and, 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 and and actually, in our world, there isn't today. Anyway, used to be you'd walk into a you know even walking into a fancy bank building that looked all great didn't mean that there was anything behind the behind the covers. Um, yeah, uh, and, and this is another part that that we were the where the DLT can help, uh, particularly if you tie it in with smart contracts, but because you you can tie it in with with like KYB or, or KYC um, systems, and um, you you can you can create a 
confidential identity on the chain that that you can prove represents you, but doesn't give you give uh, anyone else any PII about yourself. And then you can use that confidential identity to to do transactions in a safe and verifiable manner. Right. And then so we need whole separate trust systems to know that the, the, the entity we're transacting with is the entity we intended intended to, or is a trustworthy entity. Yes. yes not, yeah. And it's not it's not the ledger's responsibility. Ledger is just connecting yeah. the dot, helping us connect the dots. So we could be separate ledgers for yeah. the trustworthiness of the entities. Exactly. Yeah. And, and- or you, can at, or you could look at the ledger and determine that this entity, that this that you're transacting with, party, you know, a party that other people you trust have transacted with. Yeah, and that's I think one one of the key parts also about about DLTs and blockchains is that it is not necessarily a novel system, like. All of this, mm-hmm. to some degree, ha- is is being done. Like when you go open a bank account, you need to show documents to, to show that you are you. Uh, but what what these blockchains do is they commoditize this entire process, so that it it it, it is no longer uh, a a again like the trust is no longer unilateral. So you're commoditizing the trust. Your identity is no, not is no longer bound to a single document, so you commoditize your identity. Um, so it it takes it takes everything that that we are already doing offline and creates a, a digital representation of it, right? And, and that is what allows you to to audit it as well. I, uh, but the audit is really just the fact that it's being transacted in the public, right? The the government could give me a digital version of my passport or my driver's license. And if I presented it, I mean, we're already doing this with credit cards. I present a credit card. Credit card has a digital ID in it now, and it's not actually valid until it's been, you know, the, the, the it used to have number, you know, it still has numbers on it, but the, the numbers don't don't really mean anything now in in the chip days. The chip is actually used to generate a token, and then the token is confirmed by the the bank as a trans as a as a valid transaction. You have a you just don't have it's not a public you know, encryption. You're actually required to talk to the clearinghouse to do that mm-hmm. transaction. Or if I guess if the systems are offline, you could store that and then catch up. On the assumption that you had, you know, that there was enough credentials in in your chip to say, yeah, this is a valid credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a sense, this is this is not like blockchain is not evolutionary. It, it's it's iterative. It, it's yeah. the next iteration of what we already do. I I, I just keep. It makes sense to me in the fact that the entities that we're looking for to provide some of these systems aren't moving fast enough. 
that we want to do this. Some of it, I, I would rather transact with, with, you know, if, if the government was provide me with a way to say, I'm looking at this person's ID, is this a legitimate ID? I would rather just talk to the issuer of that, that authority. Strikes. I mean, that's, Right. If I if I had clearing houses for some of the for some of the things that we're doing with DLT, I would I would assume I'd rather use the clearinghouse unless the clearinghouses aren't. Right now we're back to Ticketmaster. Uh, right. it, Go ahead. It, it, it is funny that you, that you should mention this because it the, the authorities themselves are have shown quite some interest in in, in this technology and. and Yes, they, they they want to do exactly that. Like the authorities would prefer if they were if they if they would have the the, the sole control over it, and and this is completely possible as well. Like as I said, with with, with private mm -hmm. blockchains, uh, and and in many cases it it, it already happens. Uh, like for example, um, Walmart, they, they they use an internal a, a private blockchain for their logistics data. It just makes sense to, to them. Um, Government of Canada has, uh, like more than two years ago, has started exploring um, using smart contracts to keep track of the, their own internal documentation. Banks uh, are very interested in, in securities trading technologies. Although in many cases that they, they might not I, want to admit it until they actually buy in, but uh, that is a good place to leave it. I, I think that this is a as a as a to be continued comment is the the private DLT. I think um, I would I would love to understand that the that that part. But I mean that's that's sort of where we wanted to go anyway with this. Uh, I think that's, I think we still, I'm still, I would love to see what, how a bank would use a DLT transaction from that perspective, as opposed to tracking it into their internal database. And just, you know, I guess they would do both, but they could use the, to quickly settle something with a, with a DLT and then resolve it. I don't know. That, that's, a, since we're at the top of the hour, that should be a to be continued topic and we'll bring it back up. Klaus, thank you. Mm -hmm. Everybody, thank you. Uh, I appreciate this and uh, letting us skeptics um, air out our, our concerns. So thanks. Skepticism is very healthy when it comes to blockchain. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, I've got, that I've got in space. Thank you all. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Wow. As you can guess, I am a skeptic of whether or not DLT solves the problems and provides all the promise that people think it does. Uh, and I think that there are good things and bad things about it. Um, the idea of doing transactions in the open and not having to trust uh, a, your bank or a, 
a party that you're buying something from as the as arbitrating their value to you is, I think, a powerful concept, but one that takes a lot of thinking. And I know we are going to keep coming back to this topic. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. So please join us at the 2030.cloud and have your voice in these conversations. I'll talk to you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.